This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRadio.com is brought to you in part by the Columbine Label Company. No matter what your product, food, beverage, beauty, or industrial, to name a few, we can manufacture your label. Learn more at ColumbineLabel.com. CannabisRadio.com presents Grassroots Marketing on Location, featuring exclusive one-on-one interviews with those impacting and evolving the cannabis industry. We now take you on location to the 2018 NCIA Cannabis Business Summit in San Jose, California. And once again, we are on location from the 2018 Cannabis Business Summit and Expo with the National Cannabis Industry Association, Brasco with Cannabis Radio here with you. Right now joining me is the principal and founder of Special Teams Consulting, Yaro Lee Kubrin. Yaro, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So, uh, right now you work uh, in cannabis cultivation, consulting, and when you wrote to me, we were preparing for the, uh, the show, you had, there was, you had said it was a long bio, it was too much to write in one shot, because there is a bit of a history that, um, not a positive one, but the thing is that it's been a number of years that you had some confrontations with law enforcement, uh, with some of the business work you were doing. Can you give us some context as to what happened? and? You know your purpose for speaking uh, here at the show. Sure. So first, one point of clarification: I do I don't do any cultivation currently. Oh, sorry. Uh, I am a consultant. Uh, the consultancy that I've done the last couple of years typically helps uh, focuses on organizational development, helping companies scale, uh, and navigating what up until November of 2017 was a murky regulatory paradigm in terms of what were the rules and regs. And a lot of what I do includes sort of a zoning, permitting, land use sort of overlay. I come from a real estate background. I've been in real estate for 15 years, 10 years as a licensed realtor. So there tends to be an overlap, a convergence in terms of uh, cannabis production and real estate. Uh, I can't really have a conversation about where you're going to produce great medicine, whether it's a concentrate or an edible, unless you have some place to make it, whether that's a warehouse or a field or a greenhouse. So I focus a little bit on that. Um, I come from a pre-regulated marketplace, so my first job was trimming marijuana for my mom in the sixth grade. And I am, uh, I don't know if I'm proud to say, but I have cannabis felonies in my teens, my 20s, and my 40s. So uh, back when I was younger, I I got in trouble. I had a couple ounces on me, and that was a felony. Back when I was younger, I had some hashish on me, and that was a felony. Uh, It didn't matter what amount you had. And so back in uh, 2008 or nine. We had a medical marijuana collective. We had a couple hundred lights, a few full-time employees in three locations. And we were having problems banking our cannabis cash. We were paying our electric bills with uh, cashier's checks. It wasn't a very uh, functional model. We went to a civil attorney. We said, help us with this. They opened up a mutual benefit, not-for-profit collective, brought us down to the bank. We shook the hand of the vice president of the bank. We told him exactly what we were doing. We didn't hide behind 
terms like wellness center. The name of the bank account was the higher calling and in parentheses, THC. Wow. We started putting that money in the bank overtly. Mm-hmm. And within a matter of, I don't know, 10, 12 weeks, they came banging down all our doors. Um, and so there were 13 defendants in that case. They took everything I owned, including $100,000 in sourced and seasoned real estate commissions. I had to get rid of my dogs. I couldn't even afford to feed them. I had a choice between my five-week-old son or my nice uh, Rhodesian Ridgeback, and obviously the son was going to get fed first. We litigated that case for five years, and at the end of that case, I went to jail for six months. Now, I probably would not have gone to jail had there not been five or six firearms in the gun safe at my house. And so that nexus of cannabis, money, and guns doesn't create very good optics, tends to galvanize a prosecutor's uh, resolve to see somebody have a significant consequence. Uh, Those guns were legally acquired, registered to my father and my wife, and locked in a gun safe at a location where no cannabis production was occurring. But under a legal theory called constructive possession, they charged me with possession of my wife's firearms because we were under the same roof. Now, I was already a convicted felon for my cannabis cases in my past, which are the only thing I've ever gotten in trouble with. No DUIs, no domestic. That's just been my thing. I'm a NorCal boy, hippie boy, named after a flower. And, uh, you know, it's what we do. And so... So uh, they charged me with constructive possession, and uh, you know what, what my attorney had said when we were about to go to trials, look, I could find a jury that's pro-cannabis, and I could find a jury that's pro-guns. I'm going to have a hard time finding a jury that's pro-cannabis and pro-guns. So at the last minute, I threw myself on the mercy of the court. I said, look, do with me what you want. They sentenced me to five years. I served 178 days of that five years, and the remaining four I served on supervision. And I'm still serving that to this day. I got out, I had to voluntarily surrender my real estate license, which was kind of a fall from grace. And I I understand that that's my consequence to bear. Uh, But I went from being in the top 9% of realtors in Sonoma County to not knowing what I was going to do with my life. So I started working as an unlicensed assistant because I still love real estate. And I I bring a a lens and a perspective and a sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. And um, I started doing some project management in San Francisco for a subterranean construction company. Got injured on the job, and I pivoted to consulting. And uh, some of my consulting has nothing to do with Canna, helping people with zoning variances or projects where they're taking a building and converting it from a firehouse to a bakery. So dry sort of, you know, dry stuff. But it's good for me because that's what I'm good at. Uh, and some of my consulting does include Canna, where I'm helping people apply for permits in different places like Sonoma County or Los Angeles. And so what I tend to do is help these companies scale and to sort of navigate that regulatory process. I don't touch the plant. I don't cultivate. The government took all the fun out of that for me, and I'll, I'll never do anything that would jeopardize uh, my freedom. Uh, but the world has changed in the last eight or nine years. And, and the thing is, really it, what has changed as well is that, you know, you come back with a story of survival. And you come back with a story of saying, listen, you know, there's a lot of things I've overcome and to get back to where I am and uh, to stand back up here and come and speak at the show and, you know, still be able to offer my expertise and not, you know, to overcome all the adversity. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice that they got taken to get he back here. But um, when you reflect back and when you see what the sector and, and your peers say about you, how do they respond? So it depends who those peers are. If those peers go back quite a ways, they know that I'm trustworthy. They know that I'm that I work hard. Uh, They know that I come from a place where all you had was uh, was was your word in a pre-regulated marketplace. Um, That was really important. 
I have noticed a different response from people who are newer to the space or investors or people who Googled me but maybe didn't spend the time to drill down or ask me questions and, and said, oh, we vetted you and it turned out we can't work with you. So I have seen some shunning from people in the space uh, because... Uh, uh, because they're concerned about optics or they don't really want to drill down and get some of that uh, sort of granular information about what the context was. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not looking to make everybody happy and I probably will never succeed in that. People who come from sort of that, that sort of cultivator, Northern California cannabis culture background, I feel really comfortable in those circles and I feel that I'm in good standing with those folks. Well, nobody can take away the knowledge you've, you've, you've accrued, the, 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 what you've done, what you have done with yourself in many different sectors. People can't take that away from you. And the truth is, I would think that, you know, on a story like this, I think we need, definitely need to have you back on to tell the whole story and I'd love to go and get you on one of our shows to definitely tell that. The thing that I'm most passionate about is financial reform because that's how everything happened to us. We went down to a bank, we overtly banked cannabis cash, the bank called the cops and they came banging down all our doors. And so what's really exciting for me is financial reform in the space. And cannabis is like technology now. The rate of change and evolution in this space is so pronounced and so quick. And the one place where we haven't seen that rate of change is in financial reform. And so my hope for the industry is that I could raise my hand and say, let's try to find a way that that doesn't happen to other people. And let's get some banking solutions in place. Um, and so I'm just happy to see the future of cannabis. Currently, I'm a qualified equity applicant in San Francisco. Right. And this equity applicant social justice piece to cannabis is really exciting to me, not just because I qualify in San Francisco, but because last year as a consultant, it was my job to find some qualified equity applicants in Oakland for some people who were putting in permits for 66,000 square feet of space. So this social justice piece where we're trying to right the failed policies of yesteryear, right. that's what I'm speaking about today. And it's something that I think, I think is a really exciting new emerging facet of the cannabis industry. And I'm sure there, much like myself, I mean, like I said, personally on my own thing, I mean, I think people can go and look back and see any kind of history, but it is about the, you know, I guess the content, the character of the person and what you have done. And honestly, I mean, you were looked at by people that don't understand this business, that decided to go and use, you know, whatever kind of rules and regulations to take somebody down. But today, you know, you hope there's going to be some point where some of the work you're doing is going to change some of the regulations that cannabis will not be looked upon with any kind of stereotype or any kind of, where mainstream will look at it as legitimate business and all the things that are being done that you were doing back then will be legitimized someday before it's all said and done. So my horse in the race is financial reform social justice and equity as it relates to the cannabis policy and making sure that the people who built this industry still have a place at the table when the people who are new to this industry come in and add a level of sophistication and professionalism right. that's sorely needed but let's Absolutely. not but let's not leave that small mom and pop farmer that got zoned out because they're on a rural residential property and now they can't get a permit let's not leave those people in the dust when really they represent the largest brain trust for quality craft cannabis cultivation in the whole world and it's all here in northern california and do you feel like in the industry itself especially in the show like the business summit that that professionalism if this turned a major corner and if you really feel like not just because of the people that came into it but the people are starting to adapt and say okay listen we can still be who we are but we want to make sure that we're open to everyone and we really keep ourselves open-minded 
You know, I, I look at it in a couple of different ways. It is true that there are people who've been very successful in cannabis because maybe they couldn't succeed in other areas and there were lower standards in an under-regulated market. But I also look at it from a different perspective. I heard a very famous politician who was a keynote speaker recently say, you know, we're here to, to add legitimacy to the cannabis space. And the honest truth is I don't see it that way personally. All they need to do is take away the delegitimacy and we'll be fine. And so if give us access to banks, we don't need to store cash. If we don't need to do that, maybe people won't have guns in safes. And so part of that lack of professionalism has been that there hasn't been an ecosystem that has allowed people to be professional because there's been external restrictions. I do think that there's some great talent that's coming in in the space because it's kind of the cool thing and it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. And I like that talent is attracted to the space. And I think that the, the industry in general will benefit from that. Um, but I think that there already was a lot of amazing people here. Absolutely. And uh, that convergence and what that will do for the future of the industry, I think it's going to be nothing but amazing, honestly. Well, Yarrow, thank you so much for your story. We're going to definitely have you back on a little more for, longer form to get the whole story out because there's only there's just so much context to put into this. To And the story is just, I'm sure there's a whole lot that can be said in between of all of that that we just could not compact into an interview like this. So. We're going to have you back. Yarrow, how can people get in touch with you and work with you? Uh, I guess they could email me, um, specialteamsconsulting at gmail.com. is probably the easiest way to reach me. All right, wonderful. Yarrow, Lee, Kruben, uh, uh, thank you for so much for being on Cannabis Radio. Join us in Anaheim, California, this October 22nd and 23rd at NCIA and CCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference. With 60,000 square feet of expo floor, over 3,000 cannabis business leaders, and over 100 thought leaders and policymakers, the California Cannabis Business Conference is the place to learn how to navigate the world's largest adult use market. Register today at www.CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. Thank you for listening to this edition of Grassroots Marketing on location, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.